Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Episode 307 coming at you from the TCK Pod, a.k.a. Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined once again by my man Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X-Factor, breaking down the early slate of games. Bobby, how you doing today, bud? I'm good, man. Ready to talk some Week 11. Let's get into it. Yesterday, we dropped the later slate, including Thursday Night Football with Lucas Kaser. We had to flip it a little bit. Most of the season, we've been doing... Uh, Bobby on Wednesdays uh, with the early game slate and then Lucas on Thursdays with the later game slate. But, you know, uh, life is crazy right now in many different aspects. Every once in a while we need to call an Omaha, if you will. And uh, we're happy to do that to uh, best suit everybody here on the pod. Again, I had mentioned that we were out without Dweez this week uh, with a personal matter himself. So no stat rat episode, but we did have our 300th episode Last week, if you haven't tuned into that yet, last Monday, make sure you get into that. And tomorrow, we'll be bringing in Chris Benavides of the Commish Fantasy Football Podcast to break down the Week 10 TCK Listener League recap and preview of Week 11. But we know the drill by now, Bobby. We're going to be breaking down the earlier slate. We have seven games to cover. Let's jump right into it. We're going to start with the Titans and the Ravens. This is really the marquee matchup, potentially, I think, of the week outside of you know Thursday night's game um uh tonight's game with the Cardinals and the, and, the, and the Seahawks but if we're going to dive into this here with the morning slate it's got to be the Titans and the Ravens the Titans coming in at six and three the Ravens coming in at six and three only behind the Steelers in their division but the Titans um also battling in in their division as well in the AFC South I think it's pretty straightforward in this game there's not a ton of question marks I guess the only fantasy relevant players I would have question marks with in this game for the Titans. It's, you know, are you comfortable in single quarterback leagues to play Ryan Tannehill and super flex, of course, but in single QB, are you comfortable with Ryan Tannehill? How do we feel about Jonu Smith? Very little targets the last couple of weeks, but he scored a rushing touchdown last weekend. Corey Davis had a goose two weeks ago after a breakout game three weeks ago. Last week, he bounces back. Of course, the loss of his brother uh, was an emotional game there. So how do you feel about Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, automatic? On the other side for the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, I mean, he's Lamar Jackson, but <laughs> Tennessee's a pretty stout defense. Are you trusting them at home? And again, that that's a single quarterback question, super flex. You're starting almost every quarterback, but single quarterback. Are you looking elsewhere? If you can for Lamar Jackson, are you feeling comfortable about it? How do you feel about this backfield, man? Lamar Ingram or Mark Ingram comes back last week. They pretty much divide up the touches evenly as we've seen while he's healthy. So are you comfortable with anybody there? Mark Andrews gets the most targets on the season. Um, but now we have Hollywood Brown pretty much left out. So 
how, you know, Willie Sneed catches two touchdowns, but we can't use him. We know he's boomer bust. So a lot of fantasy questions overall, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm overthinking it. And these guys might be a uh, bulletproof, if you will, but um, I'm a little bit concerned with, with a number of these guys with two very stout defenses. Yeah, so if you look at the divisional round from last year when these two teams faced off, it was when you're just evaluating the Titans side, they went heavy Derrick Henry, over 30 carries. I think Tannehill only dropped back the pass like 14 times in that game. And with both teams fixated on the run, that really just dries up the opportunities. It runs the clock. There's less pass volume. And, you know, I think that's something that's going to be a problem for the, the skill position players outside of the guys like Derrick Henry. So, that's notable for the Titans side. Listen, you're going to roll with Derrick Henry. He's just so consistent with running the football in the sense of volume and every week and week out, he always flirts with, you know, 20 carries a week. And he had a very productive day against a very good Indianapolis run defense going for over a hundred yards. So I'm still, I think that's where they're going to go. I think they're going to go run heavy in this game, especially because the way the t Titans have been playing since Adam Humphreys has been out, we have to monitor him coming back as well. Cause that's another option, but when they go, they're two heavy two tight end set. That means A.J. Brown and Corey Davis is going to face off against Marcus Peters and uh, Marlon Humphrey. And that is not a great matchup for those guys. You know, there hasn't been a lot of production from wide receivers versus this Baltimore secondary over the past few weeks. If you look at who has beaten them, it's been teams that have been getting blown out. I mean, the Travis Fulgram game when he had six for 75 and one, the Eagles came all the way back in that game, but they threw so much in that game that I don't expect the same type of volume for the Tennessee Titans. Same thing with Terry McLaurin. He had 10 catches, but like the, the Washington football team was down big in that game. So I don't see that really happening in this game. So I'm a little worried from a wide receiver three perspective for AJ Brown and Corey Davis, because it's been a ping pong match who gets the production last week. It was Corey Davis, five for 67, AJ Brown, one for 21 against the Indianapolis Colts. That's a little alarming because I don't think there's going to be enough pieces of the pie for both guys to excel. So you're banking on something explosive. Now keep in mind, AJ Brown did drop a long touchdown. So he did have one clank off his hands down the sideline. We would have a completely different discussion right now if he went for two for uh, 80 and one. So I guess even, even in this, I'm still starting AJ Brown. I'm still going to pick him over a guy like Corey Davis. I don't think I'm too high on Davis necessarily. I don't think he's going to be returning too much wide receiver three value. Like you brought up is John Smith. Now, the thing bright spot about John Smith was last week, he ran the second most routes on the team, and he also had six targets, which tied Corey Davis on the day. So that is notable. I mean, they couldn't do anything through the past. Tannehill only had 147 yards in that game. So I do like to, I do like John Smith. Baltimore, like I just touched on, very good cornerbacks, a little bit more susceptible to tight ends. I think you can play John Smith as a low tight end one in this matchup. Now, from the Tannehill side, I don't think I'm starting Tannehill. There's just other better options, especially against the Ravens. I expect them to try to establish the run with Derrick Henry. So I'm kind of fading Tannehill in this game as a QB1. On the other side, it's Lamar Jackson. I think you you live and die with Lamar. And the Texas, the Titans, uh, the Titans defense has not been dangerous. I mean, they have not been great all year. They do have some help on the way with Adoree Jackson, who's like a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. We've been talking about this for a while now. He's finally coming back. That gives him a better duo on the outside with Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson. Adoree Jackson is the prototypical guy that can slow down Marquise Hollywood Brown. Brown has taken a back seat over the last couple of weeks to Willie Sneed. Sneed had five for 64 and two last week versus Marquise Hollywood Brown, two for 14. Very concerning. Um, he's still getting targets. He's got about seven in that game, but Marquise Hollywood Brown is not producing. 
This would be typically a get-right spot for Marquise Hollywood-Brown. I don't expect Dory Jackson to shadow him in his first game back. Based on all the metrics, the Titans are one of the worst defenses against wide receivers this season. So if you have Marquise Hollywood-Brown, you cannot play him. And if you don't feel confident starting him against the Titans and how bad they've been against wide receivers, then you should just cut him because there's no point of having him. So I think you got to take, you got to bet on the talent. So I'm playing Marquise Hollywood-Brown in this game. The guy I love hands down is, is Mark Andrews. The Nick Boyle injury is massive. I mean, this changes everything. The biggest problem with Mark Andrews was he's basically splitting work somehow with Nick Boyle, and he's not been getting consistent targets. That changes. Nick Boyle goes down last week. He goes seven for 61 on nine targets in a game that was just ugly against New England. New England has been one of the toughest teams against tight ends. The Titans have not. So I do believe that Mark Andrews is probably my starter lead from the Ravens side. I'm really excited to play him. The running backs is an absolute mess. You know, last week we saw Gus Edwards seven, Dobbins five, Mark Ingram five carries in that game. I'm not interested in that. No, thank you. Even in a game where the Titans run defense isn't scary, I'm just not really interested in that. So I think I'm just sticking with Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, and then I think I'm betting on Marquise Hollywood Brown in this matchup. I totally agree. I think that's a great breakdown from both teams. I like Mark Andrews a lot. And that Nick Boyle injury, unfortunately, I mean, seeing him get card off was just a bummer. Uh, and folks unfamiliar with Nick Boyle, he's kind of the backup secondary tight end, mainly a blocking tight end for the Ravens. But like you said, he opens up opportunity for Mark Andrews to be on the field more often. So I, I agree there. Hopefully it's a big day for Derrick Henry, man, over hundred yards last week, but no score. We did see last year in the playoffs that man, he just can wear you down regardless of how good that defense is. And as good as the Baltimore defense is overall, they are banged up. They're without Clayus Campbell. They've been, you know, Marlon Humphrey's been in and out. They've had a lot of different uh, injuries up front in general and in that secondary. So the Ravens are still better than most, but they're not 100% uh, the, the Ravens right now. So potentially susceptible this week and frankly, a must win for both of these uh, franchises. All right, man, let's break it down with the Detroit Lions and the Carolina Panthers. Detroit comes in with a lot of question marks at four and five. The Panthers coming in with the injuries of their own at three and seven. Man, there's a lot of patchwork here. I don't think there's a lot of fantasy opportunity in this game, but I'll let you handle that part of it. With the Lions, Matthew Stafford is banged up, who basically he has been his entire career. This entire season, he comes in hurt again this week, not playing at 100%. They do potentially get Kenny Holiday back, which is great. He hasn't, he finally practiced. Uh, this week um, so hopefully he'll be ready to go Marvin Jones and Marvin Hall have been playing really well uh, but with you know uh, the Panthers actually been pretty quality uh, a top five defense against the pass um, we'll see what happens with this Lions secondary in Carolina in the backfield it's got to be DeAndre Swift we finally saw him breakout last week they came out said he was going to get full touches he did get full touches we only saw um, a handful of touches from Carrion Johnson and Adrian Peterson combined. So that's a positive there. And TJ Hawkinson, I think, is automatic while he's healthy at the tight end position. On the other side, CMC ruled out once again. They do have a bye in week 13 coming up um, in two weeks. So if he's not 100% next week, they might just rest him again and then give him that extra bye as well to be ready down the stretch. It looks like the Panthers are quickly uh, becoming out of contention at three and seven. So there's no rush to bring back their franchise essentially with Christian McCaffrey. We're all upset about it, but the reality is 
you've only had him for two or three games this year anyway. So Mike Davis is going to have to be your guy. Once again, Teddy Bridgewater having a knee, slight knee sprain. We could see Teddy B. We could see PJ Walker. That's undisclosed at the time of this podcast. I'd like to hear whether you're confident with either one of those guys against the Lions, Bobby, and then wide receivers. We saw DJ Moore start hot, and then we saw Robbie Anderson start uh, kick up in the second half. Now we're seeing DJ Moore kind of become that number one again. Are you comfortable with both of those guys um, or either or there uh, for the Panthers? So, again, a lot of injury concerns, a lot of change-ups in the um, lineups from what we're used to over the last couple of weeks. But how are you feeling about the Lions and the Panthers? I think one of the biggest surprises last week was the influx of pass volume in that Detroit-Washington game. So when you're watching that, Alex Smith, 55 dropbacks, uh, pass attempts in that football game. Matthew Stafford, 276 and three. There was just so much pass volume going around, which is very surprising because on paper, when you're looking at everything that's been going on, Washington football team, very tough against quarterbacks and wide receivers. They remind me a lot of the Carolina Panthers in the sense of very tough against quarterback, very tough against wide receivers, but they don't have any dominant cornerbacks on their team. They don't have like this crazy elite pass rush. Granted, Washington football team does have some young talent up front, but they could not get the Stafford last week. He basically picked them apart without Kenny Galladay, which was very surprising. So when I'm looking at Detroit, I am excited. Even though technically Carolina has been good all season, when they actually have to play legit quarterbacks, they have not been able to slow them down. Look what Tom Brady did to them last week. I mean, he went for, you know, 28 for 39. It was just 341 or three. We kind of talked about that last week. We thought Tom Brady was going to be angry Tom Brady after a bad loss against New Orleans. So maybe they walked into a buzzsaw. But when they have to face good quality passing attack, Carolina does not stop anybody. It's not been very good for them. Patrick Mahomes, very cool, 372 and four. You know, even before that, Matt Ryan, 281, but only had didn't have a touchdown in that game, but did have a rushing touchdown, believe it or not. But even before that, Drew Brees, 287 and two. So they've been picked apart when they faced formidable quarterbacks. And I think with Stafford getting Kenny Galladay back, I do like Stafford in this game. I think he'd be a low-end QB1. Kenny G is kind of his difference maker. He did pr prove it last week that he performed very well without him. I think he could do it with Kenny G, so I'm excited for Kenny G as well. Um, Carolina doesn't have a big-time corner. We saw last week, you know, Mike Evans had a nice game, six for 77 and one against Carolina. Chris Godwin had a nice game. Antonio Brown got into double-digit fantasy points in half-point PPR. So, you know, I'm not too intimidated by the cornerbacks in this matchup. So I think Kenny Galladay's in play. But when you're looking at now the secondary guys, uh, Danny Amendola, TJ Hawkinson, Michael, uh, Marvin Jones, the one thing I will say is Carolina has been more susceptible to outside wide receivers this season. So I do lean that Marvin Jones could be more still on the fantasy wide receiver three radar in this matchup because of the fact that they are so susceptible to outside wide receivers, typically week in and week out. Listen, you're not going to sit TJ Hawkinson. The, the tight end landscape is not great. Gronk got uh, only three targets last week, but he got in the end zone, 50 yards and a touchdown. So I think Hawkinson will continue to kind of be a usable tight end one because you, it's just impossible to pick. You know, guys are catching a touchdown, get into the back end tight end one this year. It's been really bad for tight ends. So I'm sticking with Hawkinson. But the guy I love is DeAndre Swift. I love what they did. They finally turned the switch on for DeAndre Swift last week, 16 carries versus four for Adrian Peterson. And he made it, he made it look good. He got 16 carries for 81 yards. He became the full workhorse getting over 20 touches in that football game. I mean, listen, I know it's going to be tough to get him, but 
if you can acquire him, if you can, I know it's, it sounds nuts, but if you can trade name value for like Zeke or somebody like that with, and get a guy like Swift, I'm just super excited for him down the stretch. He's now the workhorse. We saw Daryl Bevel, what he's done in years past with workhorse running backs from Marshawn Lynch to Adrian Peterson. So I just love Swift moving forward. And then on the other side of the football, listen, I, I, the Carolina Panthers, PJ, PJ uh, Walker, I'm not, I don't know what to expect, but he does look like he was pushing the ball downfield a little bit. You know, he was targeting DJ Moore down the field. So I, I think he's going to be aggressive enough to keep those guys afloat. I do like DJ Moore, and I also like uh, Robbie Anderson in this matchup. If you watch who beats the Lions secondary, it's been the name brand guys. Terry McLaurin last week, Julio and Ridley both had very good games. So I think talented wide receivers – can beat the Detroit Lions secondary. Now, keep in mind, Desmond Trufant is back. He is he was able to slow down a guy like Adam Thielen two weeks ago. Justin Jefferson didn't do much in that game either, but they dominated the game on the ground with Cook. So I think that one we could toss out. But I do like Anderson and more in this game. I like him a little bit more, obviously, with Teddy B in the matchup. But other than that, I'm not interested. Curtis Samuel, to me, last week, I kind of faded him because it was a very tough slot wide receiver matchup uh, against the Washington football team. Now, listen, Detroit is kind of very – it's a little bit better of a matchup for him, so maybe Curtis Samuel gets back on track in this one as well. But if you're looking at P.J. Walker, it's going to be less volume to go around, less quality of targets to go around. So I don't know if I'm going all in on all three of these wide receivers, so I think I'm going to go with the most – the obvious ones, like Robbie Anderson one, D.J. Moore two, and I think maybe Curtis Samuel is probably someone you fade, but it is a much better matchup for him. So if Teddy B is in – I actually do like all three guys to play well. Mike Davis, I think he's a slam dunk. Even though last week their production wasn't there, he still saw a boatload of, of actual seven carries is not a lot, but, I mean, they didn't run the football only 16 times in the football game. But he also had four receptions on five targets, so he continues to be a focal point in the passing game. But Tampa Bay which just had a point to prove last week, so I think he bounces back. The, the No one allows more points to fantasy running backs then the Detroit Lions. So I'm all in on Mike Davis as well. I expect a big game from Mike Davis also. And the Panthers too are the third most generous fantasy uh, defense to um, running backs. So DeAndre Swift, assuming he again is the guy, should have a nice outing as well. All right, man, let's bump down to the Philadelphia Eagles at the Cleveland Browns. Philadelphia comes in at three, five, and one. The Browns come in at six and three playing well there in Cleveland for Philadelphia. It's been really up and down for Carson Wentz. Therefore, it's been really up and down for his receiving core. Who of that receiving core is the one? Is it Fulgham? Is it Rager now? Alshon Jeffrey is kind of back. Um, are we trusting, you know, guys like Greg Ward? Uh, you know, if you're in deeper leagues, like are you trusting these guys? Dallas Goddard, um, who was supposed to be automatic, has not been automatic. Richard Rogers still producing. Miles Sanders gets all the work, but then you have Boston Scott getting the touchdown. Eagles drive me absolutely crazy. I'm just curious all over the board how you feel about the Eagles. Miles Sanders seems to be the only automatic there. And then on the Brown side, look, man, it's been pretty gnarly weather the last couple of weeks. We were talking before we came on the air here about the weather in Cleveland and, frankly, the upper Midwest in general the last few weeks. And this game, you know, they're expecting rain. It's just that time of year, no big deal. But if they get serious wind – that could affect the game for sure. That only bodes well for 
Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Uh, Nick Chubb looked fantastic. Of course, we all know that he could have had a second touchdown late in the game. He bailed out at the one-yard line. That's a whole other conversation. But he looked absolutely fantastic and healthy coming back. Kareem Hunt over 100 yards as well. Jarvis Landry hasn't really had an opportunity without Odell Beckham because he's had two really rough weather games since then. So I think he is just fine in PPR leagues especially. And then Austin Hooper is really kind of my question. Like, are we confident that he's going to be the guy first game back last week after the appendicitis issue, just one catch. So curious about that. Curious about Baker, the Philadelphia defense, not amazing, but they're not very, you know, they're not bad either. And that uh, front seven, especially miles Garrett playing out of his mind right now for the Browns. So I think Carson Wentz, I think Baker Mayfield are going to be under pressure all day. And both of them are susceptible to um, potentially, you know, just kind of chucking it up and throwing prayers so I think the Browns stick to the run game, especially if it's bad weather. That's great for both running backs and Jarvis Landry for short area targets. And then on the other side, Miles Sanders, you know, is really the only automatic for me. Do you feel differently here with the Eagles and the Browns? I don't. And it's in Cleveland again. So we just talked about this before, uh, before we jumped on the air is that there is calling for more rain again in Cleveland on the weekend. So that's something to monitor. And as a plug, you know, obviously Sky does this every Sunday. I try to join when I can, but we talk about weather forecasts before the games. We do a live feed on Instagram, so you should join us for that because weather matters. It does matter. Cleveland has been a complete blank show up there. So I just want to make sure that we watch that because it does affect all the pass catchers. But when we just look at – if we look at the evaluate the Eagles versus this Browns team, you know, typically, listen, the last – the Browns run defense earlier in the season was very good, but two of the last four games – when they face notable run games, they allowed 100 yards to James Conner and Josh Jacobs. I think this is the breakout game for Miles Sanders last week. We just touched, like you just touched on the touchdowns with the Boston Scott. And don't forget, Corey Clement, five yard touchdown run, nothing better, right? <laughs> than the backup, backup getting a touchdown. But I think Miles Sanders is the guy you want in this game. Now, if you're evaluating the receiving core, Richard Rodgers is still uh, firmly ahead of Dallas Goddard for whatever reason when it comes to production. I mean, they both had four receptions last week. Rodgers had double the yards, but Goddard had six, six targets. So it's starting to get there, but now we're starting to hear uh, Zach Ertz might be designated return. That could get jumbled. The one thing to highlight here is that Jalen Rager actually paced the team in routes and targets last week. So that is notable. Chavis Fulgham kind of took a back seat, only had one catch for eight yards. And listen, we have noticed over the last few weeks that it hasn't been a plethora of uh, points for against the Cleveland Browns because of the weather. So that's something to monitor. But before all the weather stuff, they did face the uh, Bengals wide receivers and all three Boyd, Higgins and Green had solid days in that one. So if I'm if I'm going to pick somebody and the weather holds up, I kind of like to lean towards Jalen Rager. I think he's starting to become the primary guy. He plays that Z role that Deshaun Jackson used to play, kicks inside about one-third of his snaps. He's getting targeted when he's on the inside as well. So I do like that role. He avoids a lot of press coverage playing that. So I'm okay with – Miles Sanders is the only slam dunk, and I think Jalen Rager becomes an interesting option if the weather is permitting in this matchup. As for the tight ends, I don't think I'm willing to willing to bet on those guys just yet until I see – especially if Zach Ertz comes back, it just makes things even more muddy. So I think I'm avoiding that, and I think I'm also avoiding Carson Wentz playing in Cleveland in this matchup after his poor, poor performance against the Giants last week. Now for the Browns, listen, the Eagles have been also a little bit more sub to the ground game recently, but the secondary has been pretty solid across the board. Last week, Darius Slay got beat by Darius Slayton, which is surprising for five for 93 on seven targets, which is kind of surprising overall. Sterling Shepard had six receptions for 47 yards. 
Um, but overall, when you're looking at who beats Philly over the last couple of weeks, it was Darius Slay shutting down the team's number one wide receivers. It's been mostly tight ends. So I think when I'm looking at this game, I'm interested to see what the weather happens. I think Nick Chubb's the only slam dunk for me. I'm not touching Baker in this matchup. Jarvis Landry, listen, he has been become more of a target hog with Odell Beckham gone. I mean, even in these poor weather games, he's getting he's leading the team in targets. But the problem is the production is not there. And this is a PSA announcement. If the weather holds up, I really like Rashard Higgins. Higgins is a very productive receiver when he gets the opportunities. Last week, he only had three receptions for 48 yards. But we just touched on how bad the weather was. He's someone that right now you could probably get off waivers because he's not producing. But I guarantee you down the stretch when he starts playing in better weather games that he's going to start producing for this team. So I like him this week, especially if Slay – I don't expect Slay to shadow anybody, but if he's going to shadow anybody, it's going to be Landry. So I think Higgins, especially if the weather holds up, is a sleeper in this matchup. Now, the one notable thing about Austin Hooper is that, yes, he did not produce anything last week, but he ran 18 routes, only four for David Njoku. So he's clearly the number one. He also paced the team in routes last week against Houston. So, listen, it's I think I think if the weather holds up and you look at the – it's like 40 degrees, but it's no wind and it's not raining, then I think you can actually use Hooper as a, as a low-end tight end one. I think you could start Higgins. And Landry, to me, is a little questionable, especially because he has to play with Slay. But at the same time, if that pass volume goes up, Landry is always the number one target on this team. So he might be even in that wide receiver three uh, range if the weather permits. Huge game for the Browns. The Browns are tied in second place in the AFC North with the Ravens just behind the undefeated Steelers at 9-0. and And, of course, folks, we have to mention it, the Eagles somehow in first place in the NFC East at 3-5-1. and all right, let's move on to our next oh, game. Scott, before we move on, sorry to cut you yes, off, sir. but we didn't talk no, about Kareem Hunt. Um, oh, I do sure, apologize. Sure. Yeah, I think that last week we saw the the pairing still stay strong. I think mean, the weather, if it permits once again, they went straight to the ground. So Hunt got 19 carries, Chubb got 19 carries. They both produced over five yards per attempt. So I think if, if it's another one of these scenarios, you can roll it back. I think Hunt, of course, is still, of course, a low NRB two, maybe a flex play in this matchup. And Kareem Hunt has actually been more efficient and effective both for fantasy and NFL purposes when Nick Chubb is out there in a secondary role. He lines up in the slot. He plays receiver quite a bit. So he is absolutely a, uh, a, a great option regardless, but actually been better with Nick Chubb on the field. So with Nick Chubb coming back last week, we saw Kareem Hunt get back to normal. All right, man, let's move on to the New England Patriots and the Houston Texans. New England comes in at four and five Houston at two and seven for new England. They've really bounced back the last couple of weeks. I think they just needed a, a slump buster with the New York jets and uh, you know, eked that one out, if you will, at the very end there with the jets holding on to that number one seed, but they have looked a lot better. Cam Newton still, I mean, only 18 attempts, um, but he is looking better. He's always good to rush in for a score or two. This backfield is definitely muddy. But unfortunately, my boy James White seems to be the odd man out. Sony Michelle activated on the 21-day IR. He is not activated from that, so I don't expect him to play this week. But just kind of keep in mind that Sony Michelle, I think personally irrelevant at this point in fantasy, but could even muddy the waters even more for this backfield. Damian Harris is the guy. He looks absolutely fantastic. Early downs back can break a big run. He looked fantastic last week. And then, of course, Rex Burkhead, two receiving touchdowns, a career high last week. He's been looking really good as well there. 
for the receivers, Jacoby Myers has really kind of become the guy. Nikhil Harry not panning out to what we thought he would be. Demir Bird, maybe a deep, deep option if you need him. Um, and, you know, there's an outside chance that maybe Julian Edelman comes back eventually, but he is in the distant wind as of right now. On the Houston side, Deshaun Watson, you got to fire him up, but he is going up against this New England defense. Now they have something to play for. They've turned it around looking to go 500. So Deshaun Watson is hard to sit because he has that dual threat ability. Um, but I'm not excited about these wide receivers here. Um, Stephon Gilmore could potentially come back finally, but they have been playing pretty well without him recently. Will Fuller and uh, Brandon Cooks on the outside, of course, always good to, you know, 70 yard touchdown at any given moment. But with the consistency, we haven't seen it uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, David Johnson still out. Duke Johnson actually missed practice on Wednesday with an illness. I expect him to play, but that's just something to monitor. Uh, they might have to go third string there. So, you know, again, a lot of question marks in this one, but the only automatics for me are going to be Cam, uh, at least in, in super flex leagues. I'm not super bullish on him in uh, single QB if you can get away from him, but I do like both Rex Burkhead and Damian Harris. And on the other side, I think you have to fire up the wide receivers, but I would just temper expectations. And of course, Deshaun Watson. So, listen, the Patriots defense has been one of the, the biggest pass game suckers of all. Like, it, it has faced the lowest dropbacks in the NFL over the last five weeks and on the season. So that lower pass volume expectation lowers all the, the options for the, uh, the Houston Texans. So we saw that last week with Lamar Jackson. I mean, listen, Lamar actually had to throw a decent amount for him, 34 attempts in that matchup. But, you know, that's just something to know when you're watching these games that the New England Patriots, how they run the football with Cam, how they constantly run the football with Damian Harris, it's not necessarily they might be a good defense right now with no Stephon Gilmore. It's the fact that the chances get cut and almost they're not getting as much volume for the other pass team. So that's the problem with when you're facing the New England Patriots especially. But Gilmore should be back. We'll touch on that in a second. But let's talk about the Patriots first. The thing I love about the Patriots, and I, and I, and I do enjoy, is that it's very, very simple. It's Damian Harris is getting over 20 carries in a game. He had 121 yards last week. Then it's Rex Burkhead and a Jacoby Myers, and that is it. Cam Newton attempted 17 passes, seven targets with Jacoby Myers. And I think this is a time, listen, if you still have a, a trade deadline that hasn't passed, Jacoby Myers is a guy you go target. His target share is absurd. And last week in that ugly weather, you know, he still had five for 59 in that game, a serviceable game in half point PPR, double digits in PPR. And that was a, a terrible pass game for the Patriots against a very good Ravens secondary. So if you can go get Myers because people are like, oh, he only got me seven and a half points, eight points in half point PPR, go buy him because he's getting an absurd target share. So I think he's a start this week. Even if they use Bradley Roby to shadow him, Roby stopped shadowing over the last couple of weeks because he's had some problems with the coaching staff. So that's something to note without Roby in the lineup or whatever they've been doing with him, they have not been good at stopping wide receivers. So I think I'm rolling with Myers and also the ground game. So the Texans have not been good at stopping the run over the last couple of weeks. I mean, we just saw what Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb went over 231 yards rushing in that game. So that's, that's just another matchup. Good news for Damian Harris. I think he's one of the sleeper starters of the week. He has the best run game matchup in my metrics. So I think Damian Harris is a slam dunk play. But also pass catching running backs have been very good against Houston. So I think Rex Burke, James White has seemed to take a back seat to Rex Burkhead. I think they do like Rex Burkhead dual option. I think the biggest wrench, like you said, is Sony Michelle. I don't know what it is. They are obsessed with Sony Michelle, but he could come in and get you five or six carries. That's 
already with Cam running the football, Harris, Rex Burkhead, that's just four mouths to feed is not fantasy goodness. So I do want, I do worry a little bit about Sonny Michelle coming back, but just keep it an eye out. They don't, because all four of those guys, you know, would be, it's never a fantasy. It's never fa- great for fantasy. Now on the other side of the football, when I'm looking at the Texans, like you touched on it, Stephon Gilmore is going to shadow Will Fuller. If Gilmore is back, that's going to open up a lot of opportunities for a guy like Brandon Cooks. Now Cooks is consistent. It's been consistently Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller. The targets have been going to them constantly last week. Deshaun Watson targeted in both Will Fuller and Cooks eight times in that game. And they are, they have truly separated themselves. So if Will Fuller does get shadowed by Stephon Gilmore, I really do like Brandon Cooks in this matchup. And now with David Johnson out, Duke Johnson's the only man in town. He's a, a true workhorse. Now the matchup against New England isn't great overall, but at the same time, this guy is going to get you 15 carries in a game. The problem is Duke Johnson's strength is as a pass catcher. And Deshaun Watson does not target his running backs. So even though Duke Johnson is going to be a workhorse, he's going to have to do it on the ground. And I just don't see him being a must-start player, even in that role. So overall, I'm not too excited about the Houston Texans. I think outside of Brandon Cooks, I'm not really looking to start anybody else. Will Fuller might be a low-end wide receiver three against Gilmore. However, if Gilmore's out, I think that elevates Deshaun Watson a little bit. But just keep in mind, that low pass volume projection I think Deshaun Watson's just barely a borderline QB1 because of his rushing ability. He did have eight carries and 36 yards last week on the ground. Most surprisingly for Duke Johnson, too, I mean, one target just doesn't make sense for the type of running back that he is, right? So just when you you take him, when you take the the air out of the ball, so to speak, for Duke Johnson, that's going to hinder his performance. Okay, man, let's move into the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. This one is one of the most lopsided, uh, NFL record games you're going to get nine and O Steelers at the one and eight Jaguars. The Steelers, I mean, just firing on all cylinders through the air at least. James Conner is a question mark, but I think you got to fire him up against Jacksonville. You start all three receivers. I'm not even sure who's my favorite at this point, but you start all three receivers and you start Big Ben Roethlisberger. I would even fire up uh, Air, um, Eric Ebron. So the Steelers are easy. On the Jacksonville side, I'm worried about James Robinson, the number four running back in most formats, but he's going up against the number one rushing defense in the NFL. Not sure the Jags will be able to move the ball very much. They have been, the Steelers have been susceptible to the pass, as we saw last week in some bad weather with the Bengals, but the Jacksonville offense is not the Bengals offense. And I'm concerned with uh, DJ Chark, right? And I'm just... LaVisca Chenault, if he plays, I mean, I just, I don't think they're healthy enough. I don't think they're going to make enough plays. I think the Steelers are going to smash them on all aspects of this game. I'm really concerned about it. And if you can go elsewhere from James Washington, James Robinson this week, I would. Um, If you have other running backs, I know that's difficult to do at this point of the season, but if you can, I would. This is just a horrendous um, spot for them. We saw Gio Bernard for weeks filling in for Joe Mixon. 20 fantasy points, 20 fantasy points, 20 fantasy points, lays an egg because it's the Steelers last week. So I'm concerned there. Is this as easy, Bobby, as start the Steelers, sit the Jags? Unfortunately, you're going to have to do that because the thing I worry about when you have these big spreads is that the Steelers can handle their own and then you're kind of SOL from a pass, pass volume standpoint. So when I'm looking at the Steelers, listen, it has been true. The Jaguars have been susceptible to outside wide receivers this season. We saw Marcus Valdez-Scantlin and Devontae Adams have solid games. Fuller and Cooks. J. 
Jalen Guyton and Kenny uh, Keenan Allen had solid games. So there's been multiple duos that actually done very well against the Jaguars, which bodes well for the receiving court. However, something to keep in mind last week, the reason why those Jags were in that game is because they had a kick return for a touchdown by Keelan Cole. And to be honest with you, that's what they're going to need to keep up with this game. We could very easily see the Pittsburgh Steelers take the ball right out of the air. But I think a good example of this was we did see the Steelers blow out a team before Uh, they beat the Cleveland Browns, I think back in week six, 38 to seven. And in that game, listen, they multiple guys did something. So Chase, Chase Claypool and James Washington both had production productive games. Deontay uh, Johnson did not play in that one, but when I'm evaluating who actually beats the Jaguars, it's outside receivers. So in that case, I'm going to lean towards Chase Claypool and also lean towards uh, Deontay Johnson. Now, granted, you know, DJ Henderson is legit. I mean, the, the rookie cornerback actually kept up with the Devontae Adams somewhat last week. He did shadow him. But I don't think they're going to use him to shadow either Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool. So that gives, that's going to give them both opportunities to beat the other corner on that outside. And I think that they're both going to do that. So I think you have to roll with these guys, but you just got to keep in mind if this game gets out of hand, you know, there's not going to be enough pass volume. So it's not a slam dunk. But Eileen Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson as the Jags have been more susceptible on the outside. And then for the running game, listen, James Conner just can't get it done. I mean, last the last two weeks have been bad. But, like, if he can't do it against the Jacksonville Jaguars, you hit the panic button. So I'm going right back to the well, playing him against the Jacksonville Jaguars and rolling with him there. So And Big Ben, listen, I, I do think Big Ben is going to do enough in this game to be serviceable, but I don't think it's going to be a shootout. I do not think you play him in DFS or anything like that because I don't think they're going to need him to be, go off in this matchup because the Jags are going to need – Special teams points, defensive points to stay close, and I just don't see that happening. On the Jags side, the only thing that's notable for James Robinson is that Chris Thompson's on IR, and Chris Thompson was the passing game back. And then when Chris Thompson's been out this season, James Robinson gets more work in the passing game. He's been actually like the second option. So I think James Robinson, even in a tough matchup against Pittsburgh, is going to give you enough of a combination of targets and rushing and carries to still be a flex play at the running back position. So I'm still okay with James Robinson because of the injury to Chris Thompson. Now, something that I think is notable is the Steelers have been more susceptible to slot receivers this season overall. Last week, listen, you know, Tyler Boyd didn't really do much, but Higgins had the big game. 79 of his yards came from the slot. So when a guy kicks in inside, this is what I thought was notable for DJ Chark is Chark recently has been kicking inside a lot more and beginning a lot. He's actually been leading the team in routes. I mean, not routes, but leading the team in targets and yards from the slot over the last few games. So I think DJ Chark could fall into this wide receiver three map this week as he starts seeing more work inside. And that's where the uh, Steelers have been susceptible this year. So I think Chark could be like a low end wide receiver three in this game. So I don't think he's a complete sit in this matchup. Outside of that, that's it for the Jags. I totally agree. I think this is going to be a nasty one. And I did find it uh, amusing that there was a report that somebody had asked Mike Tomlin if they thought maybe uh, this was kind of a uh, a trap game, if you will, with the Steelers 9-0 and going to face the 1-8 and Jacksonville Jaguars. And Mike Tomlin apparently re- uh, replied, you know, we're not a Big Ten team playing a max school. Like, we're not going to get upended. We're professionals. We're going to go out there. We're going to handle our business. If we get beat, we get beat. But we're not sleeping on teams up in the NFL. Now, I don't think the Jags have a chance in hell in this game. I think the Steelers are just a well-oiled machine, especially that defense. However, we see 
bad teams beat very good teams all the time in the NFL. I don't think it happens this week, but it does happen. So they're not going to overlook them, but anything can happen any given Sunday. Well, look what happened with the Dallas game. I mean, the the Pittsburgh Steelers almost lost that game, and it actually ended up helping in fantasy because then we thought that it was going to be James Conner on the ground dominating early, and sure enough, Dallas takes the early lead, and they ended up having to throw a bunch, and all the receivers had a great game. So it could happen. Steelers have been actually been playing down to opponents, so I don't know what Mike Tomlin's talking about. So, Yep, I I agree, and and we saw a couple weeks ago too when the Chiefs played the Jets, and they were going to run them. We all knew they were going to win the game by 30, but that you know, Mahomes was still able to get in his five touchdowns, right? So even though they pulled the throttle back in about the third and a half quarter, they were able to get in all that production anyway because of the lopsided matchup. So I do expect the Steelers to do well as long as the weather's good and uh, beat up on the Jags. All right, man, two more games here. Big one in the NFC South, of course, the Falcons underachieving as they do every season, unfortunately, due to injuries or otherwise. So they're only three and six, but still a very competitive team and able to beat anybody. And it's going to be a close game. We know that the saints on the other hand, seven and two, but without drew Brees. let's not bury the lead here. Of course, people have heard about it by now, but right off the bat, drew Brees with five or more fractured ribs on both sides of his rib cage. He's going to be out multiple weeks as of this podcast, Uh, Bobby, unless you've heard otherwise, I don't know an actual, um, concrete timetable other than he will miss time that means Jameis Winston most likely again Sean Payton pretending like there's a conversation between him and Taysom Hill not telling the media as of now but all signs lead to Jameis Winston being the quarterback for the Saints so does that change anything for an underwhelming to say the least Michael Thomas and does it change anything for Alvin Kamara slash Latavius Murray? Maybe they try to run the ball more and not let Jameis beat himself. We know he can air it out over 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns last year, but of course, 33 interceptions in Tampa Bay last year as well. I don't think Sean Payton lets him beat himself. So it's going to be an interesting dichotomy there. I know that you want to talk about your boy, Jared Cook. So I'll let you do that. I'm excited about him as well for a number of reasons. I think he's a name that, we haven't really been bringing up in the last couple of weeks uh, because he's been kind of under the radar this year with all those other weapons, but certainly um, usable against the Falcons who are horrendous against the tight end on the Falcon side should have Julio back healthy should have Calvin Ridley back healthy, but still technically questionable Matt Ryan, of course, and uh, Todd Gurley. I mean, you just kind of close your eyes and wait for his touchdown and then Hayden Hurst should be a startable asset as well. So again, there's a question with Jameis and with the saints overall, but on the Falcon side, you start your studs. And I think for the saints, for the most part, you do as well. Do you agree? So I think Jameis kind of throws a little bit of a wrench in this whole thing because he is more, he's more turnover prone. He's more willing to take chances than Drew Brees is. This could definitely open up some pass volume for the Atlanta Falcons. Now the New Orleans saints defense has turned it on recently. Marshawn Lattimore, Janoris Jenkins on the outside, a very formidable run game uh, defense for the Saints. But I think Jameis Winston is helpful for the Atlanta Falcons. I think this definitely opens up more opportunities. But let's focus on the Falcons first. Uh, Listen, I do think that when you're looking at the Saints, they definitely get beat by guys on the inside. So Brandon Ayuk last week had a very nice game overall, but most of his production came from the slot because you avoid Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins, and they've been very susceptible on the inside. Now, the one thing I will say with Julio Jones, he does not play a lot in the slot. He does not get a lot of targets from the slot. He's a primary outside guy. Last year when he faced Marshawn Lattimore, he had a very modest three for 79 on nine targets. 
So Julio Jones is still going to get his. He's still a season-long start. He's probably a fade in DFS, but this should open up opportunities for other players. I do believe Calvin Ridley can definitely beat Janoris Jenkins, though. I think Calvin Ridley, if he plays, I'm in on him 100% if he does play in this matchup because Marshawn Lattimore will most likely shadow Julio in this game. But if Ridley's out still or if he's still dealing with the injury, I think Russell Gage becomes kind of a sleeper. Uh, we don't. We, it hasn't been necessarily primary slot guys that have been dominant against the Saints. It has been typically the primary number ones who kick in. So if Julio kicked in more, I'd be happy to play him. But anyway, I digress. But I think Russell Gage could be a dark horse sleeper in this game, mostly because the New Orleans Saints have been a lot tougher against tight ends as of late. So early on in the season, they were getting crushed by tight ends all year. Uh, even though last week we did see some production from a guy like Jordan Reed who had five for 62, but that was in a game where Nick Mullins had to throw a lot, 38 attempts in that game. Um, so I do believe that, you know, maybe Hayden Hurst could have some, he's a low end tight end when I think you have to play the talent. I think the good news is if Ridley doesn't play and Julio's getting shadowed by Marshawn Lattimore, I think Matt Ryan's going to have to look elsewhere to get production. So that's good news for Hurst and Russell Gage in this matchup, especially with Jameis on the other side, lower completion percentage. That means that more, uh, more, more passes going complete means more time for the other offense. So I do like that little bit, little bit of a bump for those other pass catchers. And there's going to be no ground game. I just don't see Todd Gurley is not going to be able to run the football against this defense. So I do believe that Matt Ryan's going to have to do it with his arm. And I think that's going to help guys like Hayden Hurst and Russell Gage be fantasy factors. And if, if Calvin Ridley's in, I'm playing Calvin Ridley. And I think Julio is, of course, a star, but I think Julio versus Marshawn Lattimore might help the other pass catchers in this game. On the other side, like you said, Jameis, listen, we've, he's kind of a YOLO baller, man. And it's kind of fun. But the one thing I will say about Jameis last week, he knows his guys. He targeted Alvin Kamara multiple times when he came into the game in the second half. He also targeted Michael Thomas. He knows his guys. He knows his best players. So I don't think – Jameis Winston's going to do anything that crazy in this one. I do believe that he's going to target Alvin Kamara. He was doing it last week in the second half. So I do believe that Kamara is going to be perfectly fine in this game. Uh, and then Michael Thomas, listen, he hasn't been good yet all year, but we have seen this time and time again, guys coming back from injury. They just, it takes a little while. And I think that Atlanta Falcons might be the matchup that he finally gets right. I mean, in my metrics, over the last five weeks, there's only there's three teams that have uh, four teams that allow 20 points or more to outside receivers. That's Atlanta, Arizona, Seattle, and the Carolina Panthers. And I think that you know Michael Thomas should be able. I think Jameis Winston is going to be more challenging the football downfield. He's willing to tar target guys downfield. So I do believe Michael Thomas could get a slight bump this week, especially with Drew Brees not checking it down so much now. Jared Cook is a sleeper. I think Jared Cook this week uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons have been terrible against tight ends this year. So I do believe Jared Cook. And listen, we've seen in the past uh, in this, uh, James Winston had, you know, loved OJ Howard. He loved Cameron Bray. He was targeting those guys all the time in Tampa Bay. So I do believe that you can see a solid performance from a guy like Jared Cook, especially because they love using him up the seam to throw him downfield. And I think James Winston may try a couple deep ones might be able to connect with him in the end zone this week. So I think I'm kind of excited overall for all these guys. I do believe that there's going to be enough production to go around for across the board. I think James Winston does throw a nice fantasy element into this game. I agree. And do you want to mention uh, Josh Hill really quickly? I know it's not a sexy name for fantasy football, but <laughs> there, well, yeah. you know, seriously, because it is, um, 
it's a factor and it matters that you, we, we had mentioned Nick Boyle earlier with Mark Andrews. I think Josh Hill potentially, if he's banged up is a similar issue with Jared Cook. Yeah. We just like to bring up little things like this because they're, these guys are getting snaps and they're getting target. They're not getting much targets, but they're getting a lot of snaps and teams, especially like the saints who use Taysom Hill, Josh Hill, you know, these different other uh, position players, they run routes. They might not get the targets, but they're taking away snaps from the starter like Jared Cook. So if Josh Hill is out like we think he's going to be, that's just going to put Jared Cook on the field more, and that's just good news for his fantasy outlook. Totally agree. All right, man, it's going to be an interesting one here. It's always fun when the Falcons and the Saints play each other. It's, it's a divisional matchup. You know, for a year, I mean, a few years ago, the Falcons were very good. 2016, namely, Matt Ryan, MVP, they go to the Super Bowl, yada, yada. But the Saints weren't very good. Now the Saints are very good, and the Falcons have been down a couple of years. But no matter what, when these teams play each other, it's usually in the 30s. It's usually a, a shootout at some point. I really do believe – now I'm – I'll just ask you, man, straight up. I have a roster decision personally, and it has to do with this particular game, and I'm going back and forth. I have Jameis Winston off of waivers, and I have Matt Ryan, and I'm not sure which one to start. Now, it would be like – always play your quarterback against the Falcons, <laughs> but it's Jameis Winston. I'm not sure if they're going to turn him loose. I don't think they will because it's not how the Saints offense works. That's not what Sean Payton wants to do. He wants to throw, you know, the slants and the curls to, uh, to uh, Michael Thomas, maybe a deep seam to Jared Cook occasionally and work out of Kamara and Latavius Murray. And again, not let Jameis beat himself. On the other side, Matt Ryan could get beat up a little bit if Calvin Ridley's not healthy and they run the run game, or he could be Matt Ryan that we saw early when everybody was healthy and he could go for 404. So I'm pretty up in the air with this one. What do you think Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston straight up in this game? So, and listen, this, this is full disclosure here. I, I do believe Marshawn Lattimore is the type of guy who gets up for big games. We see it do, he does it with Mike Evans all the time. Right. Totally. So, mm-hmm. um, and we saw it last year against Julio. So I think it, it really, I think this is a very simple question for you. Is Calvin Ridley going to be healthy and is he going to play? Right. So, mm-hmm. I think that's something that we probably should take a look at. If Ridley's in, I'm playing Matt Ryan. If he's out, I'd probably lean towards Jameis Winston. I just think that if Julio is not going to have his monster performance, I think Russell Gage is kind of slowed down towards the middle of the season. And Hayden Hurst isn't a guy that's going to get you 100 yards and a touchdown in a game. So I think if, if Calvin Ridley's in, I'm rolling with Matt Ryan. If he's out, I would go Jameis Winston. I think that's exactly that's exactly my mindset. I'm, I'm totally with you there. All right, man, we got about 10 minutes left. We have one more game plus your picks for this week. Let's get into it. The Cincinnati Bengals and the uh, Washington football team, pretty identical record except for the Bengals, of course, had that tie with Philadelphia early. So they come in at 2-6-1. and one. Washington comes in at 2-7. and seven. For the Bengals side, man, look, it's a lot like the Chargers and Justin Herbert, right? I mean, the future is so bright with these two teams, but they're not winning a lot of football games this particular season. They're beat up on defense. They're beat up on the offensive line. Their their running backs are are beat up and scrambled, and the rookie QBs are playing phenomenally to even keep them in matchups. The Bengals and Chargers are basically the same team, in my opinion. Now, for the Bengals, we have this three-headed monster at wide receiver, T. Higgins, is the number two for sure. That's no question. AJ Green is no longer the number two. He's the number three, and it might be distant at this point. My question is like, is he quickly kind of becoming the primary maybe already over Tyler Boyd, which I could see happen over the next year or two? What I'm saying is Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins are automatics for me. 
um, just on volume alone. And then AJ Green's kind of that up in the air. Joe Mixon looks like he's going to be missing another game in this one. They did not put him on the IR, which is very confusing, but he's been out multiple weeks here. Gio Bernard's been fine. And if he doesn't play Pittsburgh, so I think you fire up Gio Bernard and then Joe Burrow in single quarterback leagues, I might fade him in super flex. It's automatic Washington side, Alex Smith, as you mentioned, borderline a career high dropbacks last week. And JD McKissick is my man, 29 targets in the last two games. Absolutely unreal for a running back, any player, frankly, but a running back, especially you fire him up. Antonio Gibson's been playing very well lately. And with the, with the Bengals beat up up front, you fire him up. Terry McLaurin seems automatic. Your boy, Logan Thomas, I'm firing him up this week. I feel confident about it. The Bengals are the worst team against the tight end for fantasy football. Look, man, I think this is low key. I don't know about a shootout, like on the actual scoreboard, because these teams overall are not very good. But for fantasy purposes, I think this is kind of low-key fantasy shootout here. <laughs> so I, I do – I got to admit something here. So when we – we're evaluating these teams, it's really tough because they're typically losing and they're typically getting blown out. So when we look at them, like, throughout the whole season, you know, there's a bunch of pass volume for Joe Burrow because they're losing in big games, losing by a lot in a lot of games. And then you're looking at the same thing with the Washington football team. Last week they trailed – pretty big early on in that game against the Detroit Lions and they came storming back and scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. The question is, do we see that nest? Is that going to be necessary in this game? Are they both going to be competitive, which is going to make this game more balanced? And that's just the kind of stuff we have to think about because I don't see Washington or Cincinnati blowing either one out. So I think that's going to be a more competitive football game. I think that means going to be less pass volume for both sides. I think the running games are probably more involved. And they typically are because, like I said, both teams are getting blown out. So that being said, when you're looking at this, you're going to, when I look at the metrics, it's like constantly, it's like wide receivers beat the Washington football team. When you're looking at, you know, more recently who has beaten them, it's been outside receivers. So who on the Bengals side, that's great news for T Higgins. So we saw Marvin Jones last week, eight for 96 and one, you know, we did talk on the podcast last week that, the Washington football team is the toughest matchup for slot receivers, interior receivers in the NFL. In my metrics, it's not even close. And that's bad news for Tyler Boyd, but he's been so consistent. But I think that does elevate T. Higgins into a solid wide receiver too this week. Now, from a routes running perspective, A.J. Green was on the field a lot. He, he only ran two less routes than T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd last week. He had five targets, zero receptions. Now, I don't know what to think about that. I just don't know if – this game is going to have enough pass volume to support multiple pass catchers like we've seen. You know, typically when there's less pass volume, there's not going to be three true wide receivers to produce. So I think I'm leaning T. Higgins as the one. Obviously, Tyler Boyd is still a flex play because he's so prominent in the passing game. I think A.J. Green is probably a fade in this one because of what the, the totem peck, the pecking order and the less pass volume in this game. Now, the running game, listen, is Joe Mixon going to be back? Now, last week we did see that the Washington football team did not look intimidating against the ground game. DeAndre Swift had over five yards per carry. Even Adrian Peterson had over five yards per carry. So on a day where Detroit was able to get over 100 yards as a team. So I, I do believe that Joe Mixon, if he comes back and he's healthy, he's probably back in your lineup and you can start him against the Washington football team. Now, from a quarterback perspective, listen, I do believe Joe Burrow has been very fun to watch, but he's been very inconsistent lately. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, he only had 213 yards and one score last week in a game where he threw the ball 40 times against Pittsburgh. So 
Obviously, Pittsburgh is a much better defense against the Washington football team. But at the same time, the Washington football team has been pretty good against quarterbacks all year. So I do believe Joe Burrow is on the QB1 radar. We just saw Matthew Stafford have a very nice day against the Washington football team. Uh, three touchdowns, 276 yards. So I think Joe Burrow might be a low QB1 in this matchup. But I don't think I'm going out of my way to start Joe Burrow over my main quarterbacks that I have in my lineup. Now, on the other side, Washington football team versus the Bengals. This is the same thing I just told you. Everybody looks good against the Bengals, the ground games, the wide receivers, the tight ends. And you. so I think you should just go with the guys that are getting the production now. So I do believe Alex Smith is going to be able to continue to have – I like the Antonio Gibson and uh, McKissick thing going on because McKissick is so involved in the pass game that Antonio Gibson is getting the focal point in the ground game. So I do believe that both of them are still serviceable and both startable against the Bengals, especially with Geno Atkins' defensive tackle out for the Bengals over the next few weeks. And then, listen, Terry McLaurin, I mean, let's go. He's been – listen, last week he had a very tough matchup. He did have to face off against a very good corner in Desmond Trufant. He did have seven for 95 in that game. But just keep in mind, Terry McLaurin has been more of a product of sometimes game flow. I mean, Alex Smith had to throw the ball 55 times. That's great and all, and he had seven for 95. But Alex Smith threw 390 yards. That's not going to happen again this week. But the good news is that the matchup against the Bengals is so much better than the Lions. So I do believe that Terry McLaurin's back in. And, of course, my boy Logan Thomas, who has kind oh. of found – he's found some life. He's been – he had a good start, then he kind of faded away for a couple of weeks, and now he's kind of back. He had five targets last week, four receptions for 66 yards against Detroit. Cincinnati, like you just touched on, very vulnerable against tight end. So I think this week I'm okay with starting Logan Thomas – because he can get you four for 50, and that's usable in fantasy because of the tight end landscape. So I think I'm sticking with the four key guys, Gibson, uh, McLaurin, J.D. McKissick, and Logan Thomas on the Washington football team side. I don't think I'm going out of my way to start Alex Smith. He had zero touchdowns in that game. So, I mean, Alex Smith threw the ball 55 times, but he had zero touchdowns. So call me skeptical. I'm not interested in Alex Smith. And on the, on the other side of the football, I think, um, I think T. Higgins might be my favorite play from Bengals, then Tyler Boyd, and I think you could start Joe Mixon if he plays. If he's out, Gio really hasn't been getting it done on the ground. So I'm not overly excited to start Gio as much as I would be Joe Mixon because it's a better game for ground games versus pass-catching running backs. I totally agree. One more point on your boy Joe uh... – Logan Thomas here. He was actually, so I write an article for fantasy football state of mind every week and it's my waiver wire pickup. I drop it on Tuesday mornings and uh, it's basically the top waiver pickups for every week. It's pretty generic. Everybody does it frankly, but my top tight end pickup this week was Logan Thomas. First of all, again, the Bengals are literally the worst against the tight end position. Secondly, Alex Smith has the lowest a dot over the last two weeks that he's played. But frankly, other than that two years with the chiefs, where Andy Reid has anybody fucking throw the ball 60 yards <laughs> down the field every other play. I'm not, you know, downgrading Patrick Mahomes by any means, but uh, Alex Smith, who we've seen, you know, almost 15 years of Alex Smith now and two years with the Chiefs are obviously the outlier in that offense. Anyway, he's got a very low A dot, which benefits Jeannie McKissick out of the backfield and benefits the tight end, which happens to be Logan Thomas right now. Logan Thomas over the first three <clears throat> weeks of the season. He started with 24 targets over those three games, eight a game, which is absolutely fantastic. Then he had exactly four targets from weeks four to seven. Now, after the bye, he's had 
six targets in each of the last two games, as you mentioned. So again, the consistency is what we look at for tight ends. We look at opportunity for tight ends and targets is what we chase. We cannot predict touchdowns. We can't even predict yardage for tight ends, but we can predict consistency. We can predict opportunity and targets. And Logan Thomas is frankly as consistent as it comes at tight end. He's just not sexy because he doesn't have a lot of touchdowns. If he does score, you're looking at about, you know, 18 points for, from your tight end. I mean, that's borderline tight end one on the week there. So if it's a good a week as any, if you're streaming a tight end to pick up Logan Thomas, I just want to give him a shout out because you were the one bringing up preseason and it's very rare that we can talk about the uh, Washington football team in a bright spot. So I want to give that opportunity when we can. All right, man, let's finish it up quickly with our picks of the week. A quick recap. You had a great bounce back week last week. Um, actually pulled within just one game of Lucas for the top there. Lucas at 74 and 42. You're at 73 and 43. I'm at 72, uh, 71 to 45. Dwee's in the back at 66 and 50. Bobby, you know the drill. I'll give you two teams. You give me the winner. Let's start with Tennessee at Baltimore. Baltimore. I am going to go with Tennessee. I think they're going to beat them up. I think Baltimore's defense is a little shaky. Don't trust Lamar right now. I think uh, Tennessee is going to be able to get them on the ground. Detroit at Carolina. Detroit. Detroit. I like the upset there. Detroit playing outside I don't love, so I'm going to go with um, Carolina in this one. Next game up, we have uh, – oh, excuse me. My, uh, my screen just faded on me. There we go. Philadelphia Eagles at Cleveland Browns. Philly. Philly. I'm going to go with Cleveland. I think they get it done, and they've won a couple ugly ones lately, and they're battling for second place in the AFC North, so I think they get it done. New England at Houston. New England. New England. I'm going to go with New England as well. They've been playing great lately, and if they could shut down the outside, uh, I think they'll be able to shut down the run and contain um, Deshaun Watson. Pittsburgh at Jacksonville. (laughs) Pittsburgh. (laughs) Pittsburgh by a lot. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Atlanta at New Orleans. That's a good one. I, I think New Orleans still going to get it done. Okay. I'm going to go with Atlanta. I'm shaky Jameis, not 100% sure. Um, but if if Sean Payton can save Jameis from himself and Matt Ryan, you know, blows it at the end, uh, then it probably will be the Saints. But I think that the Falcons come out of the bye strong, and I think they get a, a big win here. Cincinnati at Washington. This is a good one. Uh, I'm going to go Washington. Washington is that mainly with the defensive battle because I don't think I don't think the offense can keep up necessarily but I think that defense for Washington is much better than obviously the Bengals defense is that the difference for you really when it comes down to it it's just like uh, you know I think the Washington pass rush and the Washington defensive line is kind of where the strength is on all sides outside of the Mm -hmm. Cincinnati like pass game but I still believe that if you're going to look at the the Cincinnati defense uh, offensive line it's just it's not going to be able to keep up with the Washington football team. So I'm going to go with the trenches in this one. And that's Washington. I think that's a great call. Dweez agrees with you. Lucas and I are going to go with Cincinnati. I just think there's too much firepower potentially overall. And if it becomes a quote unquote, low level shootout, I think uh, Joe Burrow has the edge there. All right, man, that wraps up this early game episode. Bobby, please remind the TCK Potters where we can find all of your work. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram and YouTube at Fantasy Football X Factor. I also post a lot of tidbits on Twitter at FFX Factor. You can read my articles on uh, football.rasball.com. I do the shadow coverage report every week, top matchups between quarterbacks and, wide, and 
wide receivers. And then I also write an article called the opportunities analysis every Saturday for the expand the box score, where I touch on some guys that could be by lows and some guys to fade in each, each week. Love it. This is episode 307. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, the TCK pod, AKA candlestick kids, fantasy football podcast. Tune in tomorrow. Chris Benavides of the commission FFP breaking down the TCK listener league recap for week 10 preview of week 11. Give us a five-star review and rating. We much appreciate wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow us on IG at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. All the rankings are true strength of schedule sheet available to you at tckpod.com. For my man, Bobby Lamarco, AKA fantasy football X factor. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.